while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. And I'm Chris McCarthy. Oh, wrong knob. I'm Chris McCarthy. 508-996-0500 so you can join us this evening. We've got a great show ahead for you today. Um, Mayor Mitchell issued a veto letter, a scathing veto letter to the city council um, uh, in response to their, um, their, their poll questions. And uh, we'll talk more about that in the 8 o'clock hour. We, we want to focus on, because you guys have been very invested in the story, we want to focus on in the first hour, the 7 o'clock hour, um, the story of Datco, or I guess Bloom, because apparently Bloom bought the company, um, canceling their bus routes uh, from the South Coast to Boston. And joining us, actually, is a former Assistant Secretary of Transportation and Head of Transportation for Massachusetts, Chris Dempsey. Hey, Chris, how are you? Marcus and Chris, it's great to be back with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Before we get started, um, I haven't talked to you since the uh, since the Democratic primary for auditor. Obviously, it didn't uh, go the way you had hoped it went. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that race and on some of the headlines Auditor Desaglio was making recently. Well, it was a real honor and privilege to run for statewide office in Massachusetts. Uh, I felt so fortunate to be supported by so many folks Across the state, we had over 2,400 individual contributors and a great set of endorsements. And I think we put out a lot of important ideas for what the auditor's office can be and how it can make Massachusetts state government work better. And I'm certainly rooting for Auditor DiZaglio to uh, continue her work to fight for transparency in the statehouse and beyond uh, and wishing her well uh, as a taxpayer and a resident who's committed to Massachusetts. We all want state government to work better, and that's the role of the state auditor. Well, I know it's premature, but I think we all would like to see you make a make another uh, another run for public office if, if you've got it in you, you and your family. Well, I really appreciate you saying that, Chris, and uh, I have no plans whatsoever to do that, but <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't rule it out either, but I'll tell you what, um, I'm glad you mentioned my, my family because... My wife, Anna, was just so incredibly supportive of me throughout the process. Uh, it was a team effort. She had my back the entire way. And uh, any future candidacy would certainly be reliant on her approval first because she was she was uh, keep having my back at home, which was just incredible the whole time. So, um, Chris uh, Dempsey, for, for people who may not uh, who may not know who you are, uh, aside from being a, a former candidate for auditor, you were the assistant secretary of transportation under uh, Deval Patrick, and you also were the head of transportation for Massachusetts, which is a advocacy orga- organization for better transportation in the Commonwealth. Um, so, uh, you know, we. I guess everybody's been sort of shaken up by this recent news that DATCO is abruptly canceling their bus service from the South Coast to uh, Boston. And as a transportation expert, uh, expert, I was wondering what your opinion is on this. And is this a trend that you're seeing from busing companies throughout the Commonwealth? Yeah, this is really frustrating. And I'm so glad that you guys are covering this and making it part of the conversation. And I know that others have been raising the issue too. I know Mayor Mitchell has been talking about it publicly and expressing his frustration. 
I'm just like everybody else in that I'm frustrated with the congestion we see on our roadways, the fact that it takes so long to get from point A to point B, that it doesn't feel like we have good options, that transportation is expensive for people, and that it's the largest source of air pollution and that it causes asthma and heart disease and all sorts of other issues in addition to climate change. Most of that is coming, again, these days from our tailpipes in our in our cars and, and buses and trains. And so we need better transportation solutions and options. And that's why it's so disappointing to see this option being taken off the table at this time. And happy to talk more about why I think DACO might have done it. But I think we should all um, we can all agree that it's unfortunate and frustrating that this is the case. Why do you think they might yeah, have done it? Exactly. Well, um, there's a couple of different factors and COVID is still the most important one here. So before COVID, they were providing rides for hundreds of people a day, easily over 200 people a day, um, often over 300 people a day. And, um, well, I'm not based on the South coast. I have spent time in the South station bus terminal at rush hour. And I have personally seen in those pre COVID days, just how many people were utilizing the service. Um, hardworking commuters with jobs in Boston and homes and families on the South Coast who were using and relying on that bus day in and day out. Um, so COVID has reduced those numbers, that day-to-day demand, to closer to something like 60, maybe 70 riders a day. Uh, and on a slow day, they might only have 30 or 40 riders. So you're talking about like an 80% decline in the, um, the number of riders in that system. And yet, the costs are basically the same, right? Because it, it costs the same amount for DATCO or any other bus company to run a bus, whether there's three people on that bus or 40 people on that bus. Their costs are the same. And so it's really difficult to make the numbers work for a business like DATCO if they see those ridership declines. And I think that's what you heard from Mayor Mitchell. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I saw his quote saying that he just is frustrated that he didn't have more heads up about this and that there wasn't more opportunity to plan. I don't think anyone can blame DATCO if the numbers aren't working. You can't force them to run an unprofitable business. Right. But it would have been great to have a little bit more time for us to think about supporting the service in other ways and finding more options. Chris, um, is there anything that you think can or even should be done to try to save those routes? Well, I was disappointed to see MassDOT say that they were not willing to investigate financial support, even on a temporary basis. Um, As you all know better than I do, We're expecting that South Coast Rail will finally, after many decades of advocacy and and work from people inside and outside of government, it will finally be arriving in the South Coast later this year. Um, So we're we're facing a bit of a gap here where the buses are shutting down before the trains start running, and it would be great for MassDOT or others to step up to fill that gap for a period of time. Uh, It sounds like that option is off the table for whatever uh, whatever reason, it's been unclear why that decision was made. But that's, um, look, there's a lot going on at MassDOT. And again, it probably caught them by surprise as much as it caught the mayor by surprise. So um, that's disappointing. But let me say a, a broader uh, thing here about my frustration with this service shutting down. Um, we're all excited about the trains to the South Coast. But buses actually provide a low-cost and flexible option for people. If you compare the cost of the monthly pass today for DATCO, uh, if you're coming from New Bedford, it's $349 a month to have a monthly pass to commute into Boston. The monthly commuter rail pass is going to cost over $400. So the train is going to be more expensive than the bus. And ironically, the train is actually going to take longer 
than the bus takes on a day where there's no traffic congestion. The train is going to be about an hour and a half, and the bus can do that trip in about an hour and 10 minutes on a good day. Now, we all know that given traffic on 24 and 93, that it's rare to have a day without that congestion. But that speaks to the part of my frustration here, which is that when you have high occupancy services like bus service, MassDOT and cities and towns should be doing absolutely everything they can to keep that service on the road. Because every time a bus takes 40 people on that trip, that's 40 cars that are not otherwise driving on that highway that would make the congestion even worse. So we need to see things like more bus lanes, um, priority parking and priority spots for these buses to pull in and their customers to use. That kind of thinking, and even if it's too late for DACO, that kind of thinking around the state will make our transportation system more efficient and make it work better for everybody. Um, we're speaking with Chris Dempsey, the former Assistant Secretary of Transportation under Deval Patrick. Um, Chris, I just wondered, again, everyone's individual, every one of those riders has their own particular story. I used to be one of those riders prior to COVID. I used to take that bus every day into the South Station. Um, so I know, but um, I wonder how many people are actually going to take to their cars and go to the roads, or maybe they're just telecommuting now, that during COVID their, their bosses figured out a way for them not to have to dr- go into the city, you know, every day. And so that, in fact, there is no need and there will not be cars hitting the roads. Just your thoughts. I know it's we don't know specifically. Well, look, I think, I think it's great if that's an option for people. But as you know, Chris, that's not an option for everybody. Right. If you're a nurse that's working at MGH, uh, you can't telecommute for that job, right? You got to be there in person. So um, we have so many people who are on the front lines um, and and who have a role where they're not able to telecommute. And then I think, look, it it does work great for some people, you know, especially if it's kind of a hybrid where maybe some days they're in the office and some days they're not. But what I believe, and not everybody shares this opinion, but what I believe is that One of the reasons that Massachusetts is so great and why we have a strong economy relative to other parts of the country is that we bring the most talented workforce together every single day and we have people collaborate and innovate and work together. And certainly New Bedford has a very strong tradition of doing that, of innovation, of new ideas. And we need that to continue. And I am uh, skeptical about whether a world of Zoom and Skype and telecommuting is gonna make our economy as strong as it could and as it should be. The reality is in a world where everyone's telecommuting, people might move to other states because look, there's better weather in North Carolina or Arizona than we have here in Massachusetts, right? So we don't want that for the future of the economy. We want to continue to have an economy that relies on bringing the best talented workforce together in one place. And that only works when we have good transportation options. And it's again, why it's so frustrating that we're losing one with DACO's ending of that bus service. Speaking with Chris Dempsey, he was the former Assistant uh, Secretary of Transportation under Deval Patrick and a longtime uh, transportation advocate. Uh, so um, with respect to South Coast Rail, um, there's been some talk, you know, I was listening some during our day programming, there was some talk about this being uh, sort of an omen for the ridership of South Coast Rail because, you know, bus service in Fall River and Taunton was canceled b- before New Bedford. Um, and I know pre-pandemic, uh, the estimates were 2,700 people per day would ride South Coast Rail uh, up into Boston. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a great question, Marcus. And you know, look, I'm glad that the project is happening and, and that the state is committed to it. Um, but I do expect that those ridership numbers will need to be revised, at least in the early years, 
as Chris pointed out, um, we're in a period of change and transition, and a lot of people's commuting patterns look different today than they did in 2019. Um, so I would expect that those numbers would be lower in the early days. But I also think um, what's what's true about rail and what so many advocates for South Coast Rail have pointed out is that when you have rail, you do have a feeling of more permanence. Yeah. Um, the bus service can be taken away very quickly, as we're seeing with See, DACO. Yeah. Um, rail so- service <laughs> right. is going to stick around for, for many decades. We all certainly all hope. Um, and what that means is you may have people that are more willing to um, invest in you know, living somewhere and living or buying a home on the South Coast and commuting into Boston, that you have an opportunity to have an ecosystem of small businesses around a real station. You might have convenience stores and restaurants and other uh, grocery stores, things that people want to stop by on their way home after they get off the train. So there's more economic development opportunity when you have rail, even if those ridership numbers are lower. And that's why I think everybody should be excited about the return of rail to the South Coast later this year. So we're speaking with Chris Dempsey, a longtime transportation advocate, former uh, Secretary of Transportation, Assistant Secretary of Transportation under Deval Patrick. We're talking about the DATCO um, abruptly canceling their bus service uh, from the South Coast um, to uh, to Boston. So, I mean, obviously, one of the... Um, the, I've been a strong advocate for 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 uh, for South Coast Rail. I think it's going to be a net positive. Like you said, that permanence. Um, you know, there's the MBTA housing law. I didn't know if you had any op- opinions on the MBTA uh, housing law, um, the one that uh, Attorney General Andrea Campbell said she's going to um, uh, enforce for communities that decide that they are going to try to opt out of it. Marcus, it's a great question, and I don't know that this issue is on everybody's radar screen, but it should be. Um, even more than the transportation crisis that we have in Massachusetts, we have a housing crisis. We have some of the high, highest housing prices in the country. Um, we have an old housing stock, and we have too many communities, especially very close to Boston, that have not historically permitted new housing to be built, even though there's substantial demand. And so that's what happens when you have limited supply and high demand prices go skyrocketing, and middle-class families can't afford to live in a community, to say nothing of uh, working class families who are really priced out much further out um, because of that lack of supply. So this law requires any community that has MBTA service to create zoning around an MBTA station that would allow multifamily housing to be built. That means housing that has uh, three or four bedrooms uh, often per unit and where um, you have kind of condos or townhomes that can be built with sufficient amount of density that it can actually bring your costs down a little bit and make those uh, those units more affordable for especially for middle class families. I think this is a really good law. I think it's um, probably way past due. I wish it had been in place decades ago. I want to be very clear. Not everybody agrees with me on that, but I think it's clear to me that we need a lot more housing. That's all kinds of housing, affordable housing, market rate housing, all kinds of housing. And if we're going to build that housing, Let's build it near transit, which is what this law says. Because when we build it near transit, that means we have more opportunities for people to get to jobs, to get to school without having to get in a car to create more congestion on our roadway. Um, I live in a community that has been historically one of those ones that has had difficult zoning to make it hard to build homes. I live in Brookline, uh, up next to Boston, and it's a hotly debated issue right now in Brookline about whether to comply with this law or not. And it's why I was so excited and encouraged the Attorney General Campbell lead on this issue and say that this is not an option for cities and towns, that this is a legal requirement that they follow through on this. When communities like Brookline do it 
And with the, when the 174 other communities across the Commonwealth that have MBTA service, you know, including uh, New Bedford and Fall River soon and places like uh, Middleborough and other places, other places on the South Coast, um, when we put that in place, we're going to allow and unlock um, that that supply of housing that we need to to match up with the demand and to make our prices here a little bit more reasonable and our housing a little bit more accessible to families. So bravo to the attorney general, and let's see this one move forward. So to the point of the uh, the MBTA, I mean, obviously there's some concerns about it. Uh, there's, you know, I think Mayor Wu at the at the St. Patty's Day breakfast joked about um, the debris falling uh, from the ceilings and and, and the, some of the, the the issues with the actual train function. And I know the State House News Service has this brutal counter um, on their on their daily newsletter that says Maura Healy's promised to have a safety director in the first 60 days. It's now been 75 days and there's no safety director. Um, what does the state government have to do to make sure that the MBTA is less of a mess? Yeah, so I ride the MBTA pretty much every day. And this is the first time in my life that I have legitimately been concerned for my safety when getting on an MBTA vehicle because of the number of life-threatening incidents that we've seen in recent years, and maybe most notably and memorably, uh, the fire on the orange line on that bridge where a woman actually jumped off of the bridge to avoid the fire. I'm, I'm sure you yeah. all saw those headlines when Absolutely. that happened last summer. So um, it's, it's a concerning issue, um, and I'm glad to see Governor Healy put it as a top priority. I know that her team is working hard to identify talented management that can come in uh, to turn the MBTA around, and it needs all the help we can get. R- running the MBTA, being the general manager of the MBTA, is, in my view, the hardest job in state government. It's a difficult institution and organization to work with because it is so old, because the culture is so worn down, it hasn't had the resources historically, um, and yet it's at the center of attention. It's a day-in and day-out news story. So it's difficult to be, to literally put out those fires day-to-day while also thinking about the strategic vision for what the MBTA must be. There's no easy answer there. It needs everybody top to bottom in government and beyond um, helping and working together to do that. I I do believe that the governor is committed to fixing it. It's going to take time and patience uh, and a lot of hard work. But we all have to roll up our sleeves. Anyone that cares about the future of the Commonwealth, rolling up our sleeves to make that organization work better so that it can serve uh, workers and students and riders of all types who need it to work every single day to get where they're going. Uh, Chris, we, um, of course, are all excited that the, the MBTA is coming here to, uh, you know, the, the commuter rail is coming to uh, New Bedford. Um, but what are some of the problems that the local communities, police, fire, EMS, things like that, should be looking forward to having to deal with? What, what are some of the things they should anticipate? Look, I think it's going to be a a great benefit to communities on the South Coast. So I would think much more about the positives and the upsides and the downsides. Sure. Um, But but look, um, it's always good for our public safety officials and our first line uh, responders to to be ready for the unexpected. Right. And that's what they train for. That's what they think about day in, day out. They're, you know, talented and courageous folks. Um, So I don't expect that there's going to be, you know, major changes. I don't think all of a sudden you're going to wake up one day and feel that New Bedford is transformed the day after uh, rail service comes in, certainly not in a negative way. Um, but I, I, from what I hear and what I see, um, it does seem that local communities, you know, led by, by Mayor Mitchell um, in New Bedford, are working hand-in-hand with the state to make sure that when South Coast Rail does come, that it's a positive 
um, that it'll benefit the community and that everyone's going to be safe and happy about the new service. Chris, I appreciate you coming on and joining us uh, this evening. Before I let you go, um, uh, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? No, look, uh, I'm excited to be riding that train uh, when it gets going later this year. So um, next time I'm on, I'd love for it to be in studio. Maybe after one of those train rides, we can talk about how great that is. That would be fantastic. Also talk about some of the challenges that are facing the T, uh, and we can continue to work on those issues together. Looking forward to that. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thanks so much, guys. It's Chris Dempsey, uh, former candidate for auditor, assistant tre- uh, secretary of transportation. By excited, he means terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to having Chris and, uh, Dempsey in the studio again as well. All right, we got to take a break, and we'll be back, back. This is South Coast Tonight. Hey, welcome back. I always enjoy Chris Dempsey. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's a I good interview. He does a, good, he does a nice job. Yeah, he does do a nice job. Plus, you can always get something down off the top shelf for you. <laughs> well, you, you don't have to worry about that. I, don't, I never but, do. I but, never do. Um, he... Um, Actually, you guys could probably share shoes. Maybe. He's taller than I am. Uh, he's, a, he's a little bit taller. He's a few inches taller than I am. But I, I, I think, you know, with that, you know, they taught us in football, you, you get under his pads. And, get uh, under his pads. And I'm already there. So You're just by a, few, by a few inches. Yeah, I'm You're already, already under his pads. I'm already under his pads. So I think uh, the lower center of gravity. Well, I, I think a, I challenged you to do that to him when he came into the studio. Yeah, yeah. Get low. You know, bull your neck, run your feet on contact. Right, right, right. And, and then that's it. I thought, I, I think it. I challenged, but I, I don't think you did it. I didn't do it? No. No, because... Because, um, you know, that would be wrong. <laughs> that, would be be, ru- that would be rude in a crime. Be, you'd, be in, you'd be in Michael Rock's it, office. It would so. be rude. It would be funny. <laughs> I, would be, I would be in Tom Quinn's office. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> uh, but no, we appreciate Chris Dempsey making time for us. Um, and, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where... You always wish that um, more than one candidate could sometimes win an election, right? Because um, I think last year we had a lot of really strong candidates running for a variety of offices, and, and some that weren't so strong. Yeah, I mean, Auditor was really competitive. It because, was. Uh, it was so, so weird, right? Um, because the, the top ballot was de- pre-decided. The top ballot was very decisive, yeah. And so... Um, uh, yeah, with Auditor, you, you had uh, you, you had Desaglio, Dempsey, and then um, Anthony Amore on the right. other side. Yeah, you know? it, it was it was and an, um, and Desaglio. I mean the the Democratic primary was closer than the general election, but still, it was um, it was still it was still the mo- the most competitive election in terms of margin of victory for her. It was uh, it was good. She still won pretty. It easily. was good. Um, it, it was nice that South Coast played such a role. Um, yeah, I, I think so. They spent a lot of time down here. Uh, and, you know, it's funny. You can see it in Desaglio's returns. You can, because she spent a lot of... Actually, what was interesting about her victory uh, was that she won every everywhere in the state, except for Boston. Except for Boston. <laughs> yeah. Which normally means the kiss of death. It, yeah, usually you have, to, you have to carry Boston. But... I do appreciate Chris coming. He's got just a tremendous knowledge of of, um, of transportation. Uh, and he's honest. Yeah. Yes. He, look, folks, he, you, you heard him say he's afra- he gets on the MBTA every day. But for the first time in a long time, he's afraid. Yes. Right. Which is a very honest assessment. Um, so Donna from uh, New Bedford says, uh, hey, hello, gentlemen. Can 
the city talk with Greyhound to come to New Bedford to run the the Boston route. I think that's the you know the, I don't know about Greyhound specifically, but I think those are the options that Mayor Mitchell said he's exploring, trying to find an alternate route, and which why he was so frustrated that um, Datco or I guess Bloom. I've been hearing that Bloom has bought Datco, right? So Bloom has was basically like, sorry, you see know, you later. Look, um, private business does what private business has to do, uh, and mm-hmm. but you would have liked to have seen them. For some reason, Marcus, they wanted to be done with those roots. Uh-huh. That they didn't want to explore a reason to save them. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know if that's because they really feel like they can use those assets some, some other way. Um, that that, that, that the, the stations in Boston can be used for more lucrative reasons. Um, that they really did not want to have a plan. Yeah. That, that the subsidy would never be enough. Do you know what I'm saying? That they that they had another plan, um, and for that reason, they're pulling out of town um, without any conversation, yeah. which, which seems to be. Um, oh, well, I didn't like that. The VP of Dadco had some sort of like it, almost like whiny response to to Mitchell was like, "Well, the political bodies have made it clear that they want rail service," and I'm like, it didn't make a lot of sense because I, you know, Chris Dempsey said this before when he was on the program. Uh, when he was when he was on the program as a transportation advocate, he said, "Like rail and bus aren't mutually exclusive things. Not at all. They're supposed to be working together." And, and to, to 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 your point, Marcus, I'm operating off that statement as well. When I say, "Geez, the guy wanted to leave," yeah, right. And 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 that that dis, that that statement made it. Like, well, it was closed off to any conversation, oh. but but it's clear that it wasn't. I, I'd be they asked. right, and I'd right. be and I'd be hard pressed. Uh, you'd be hard pressed to find a single local political person that said, uh, "I can't wait till we get rid of the menacing Daco or Bloom buses with well, South Coast Rail," or or that refused to have a conversation. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, in other words, they clearly Daco wasn't saying, "Guys, look, things have changed. Mm-hmm. We'd like to keep the roots." I know you'd like to keep the roots. What can we do here? Yeah, they didn't say that. They didn't. They, well, they didn't have any conversations at all. Yeah. Right. So the they they, had they were a, asking Mastot to bail them out. They had all the information. Yeah, and they didn't share it, and they just pulled out of town. I just feel like if you're a private company and you're providing something that's a public good, there should be some different restrictions on how you can back out of a contract. Thirty days feels like a little bit. Um, too abrupt for me. Uh, just as a, well, as a matter of practice, it's it's not only that, Marcus. Um, it seems like if you, and again, why I say they obviously wanted to end the route mm-hmm. because they didn't explore ways to save it. Yeah, right. Yeah, they didn't explore ways to save their employees' jobs. Right, unless they're transferring those people somewhere else. Right, and those people want to go. Um, it's very clear that. With that guy's comment, well, no, the political bodies, yeah, but not that we asked him. Yeah, right. He didn't say we asked and they told us to beat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just said, we, we didn't even think it was worth the ask. Yeah. Well, look, come on. That's like saying I didn't ask that girl to the prom because I knew she was going to say no. Yeah. That's or I didn't ridiculous. ask the mayor about that ballot question because I knew he was going to say no. Which we literally have heard before, <laughs> right? Nice so, transition. So, um, well, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll, so... We 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 we're gonna we're gonna cover it more in the next hour. I think we're gonna cover it more in the next hour. But um, the mayor has written an absolutely brilliant letter to the city council. Um, 
and, with and his veto. Council President Morit has responded to Tim, uh, actually, because right. uh, they got the they And got we'll the have all that in the next hour. Yeah, we're going to have all that in the next hour. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. We have the veto letter. We have the comments Mayor Mitchell made and the comments Council President Morad made in response. So it's going to be quite a thing. It's, it's going to be incredible. But, Marcus, on the bus thing, I used to do that bus. And as I, as I texted into Tim today, because there was a guy calling saying he, he liked to hear people's experience. I had a fine experience with the bus. Um but I didn't like having to do it, right? In other mm-hmm. words, I commuted into Boston every day, five days a week. I tried every way I could go. Driving my own car, taking the bus, driving up to the MBTA station, taking the train. No matter how you slice it, you're, you're on the road for hours, mm-hmm. right? It really cuts into your life. Yeah, it, you know, it sucks. It really just sucks. Yeah, it just sucks. And even though you're making a lot of money, at the end of the day, the money's not worth it. It's not. Time is gone. Um and you're not getting that back. So the um, the daily grind of going on a, 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 a on the bus, even though you know, yes, you can do work. Um, the, uh, yes, you can do work on the train. Um, it still takes a huge chunk out of your life. You know what? I, I t- so I took the train. Um, I, I I used to pra- I used to so I used to um, I used to have an office space up in Boston, part of the Justice Bridge program when I first started my uh, practice, and so I would. I, I would schedule my appointments that I had up there later. Um, and to, it got to a point where I just didn't even have any clients up there because it wasn't worth it anymore. Right, exactly. You know, so, um, but uh, I will say I took the train uh, every day for two weeks up to Boston for uh, public defender training. And uh, it was pretty horrible. But the, the reason, one of the reasons it was, it would have been better if I didn't have to wait, um, if I didn't, if it didn't take me, 30 minutes just to get to the train right you know yeah um so yes. it, like it took me 30 minutes just to get like that's an extra hour tacked onto the day if if it took me like let's say if the train's going to be over by wamsada take me a few minutes under probably 10 minutes to get there that right. would be easier that would be easier for me and i think probably a lot less painful the the um the parking at the, at the fairhaven bus lot was free mm-hmm. that was fine um, the ride was always fine. It was always seats available. In fact, I used to see transportation house chairman Bill Strauss occasionally. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I remember one time he was, t- he was having some problems with his car. was being serviced, and um, he was taking the bus. You know, the morning bus would be all loaded with commuters. It was very quiet. It, it was a fine trip, but with nothing against the bus company whatsoever. But just when you've got to do that every day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So I understand that... With COVID, I imagine a lot of people worked out something with their with their bosses mm-hmm. to be able to telecommute, and technology has caught up to well, it. Well, it's one of the it's one of the good things. It's one of the the you know it's hard to say. There's it's one of the, the positive more positive developments out of the out of the pandemic. It was a natural force or a natural force, whatever you want to call. It. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't want to get in that conversation. But, <laughs> yeah. But it was something that happened that fomented change yes right yeah yeah technical change and 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 capital investment people thinking thinking out of the box um i know a lot of people as you do too who now telecommute yeah you know they're they're, it's hybrid they're in boston a couple days a week um but i can remember as, as 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 chris dempsey said I knew there were people on the bus that no matter what they did, they had to go be in be in the of office. Of course, yeah. Now I had a couple of days where I didn't have to be in the office pre-COVID. I didn't have to be in the office. I could do some stuff from home. Um, I didn't like my productivity, but a couple of days a week I would do that, like a Friday or a Monday, depending. 
if I could accomplish everything by email and phone, I did it. it saved me money and it saved me a lot of time. Um, but again, the reality of it is you don't want to be the guy who's not sitting at the table in the office. Right. Right. Because when they're looking around and, try, and handing out new assignments, if you're literally out of sight, you're out of mind. Right. So um, it, it was just, it, it was not strategically not a good thing for me. But if, but if, but as I so well know now, the, with the COVID piece, you know, you wanted to avoid getting that. And so I would imagine, I can't even imagine, Marcus, getting on a bus with 60 other people. <laughs> yeah, right. For an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So you yeah. can imagine that really hurt them. Twice. Business. Right. Yeah, exactly twice. twice. Yeah. Right. Um, every day. Every yeah. day. So I would imagine that. It's not, it's not playing the, you know, you're really playing the odds. Right. You know, if you're, yeah. I know. So particularly, and again, your boss doesn't want you on the bus if that means you're coming to the office and bring, making people sick. In, in other words, you can see how it was over. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, to go from, like like uh, like Chris Dempsey had said, to go from, like... Hundreds of people. Hundreds to, to, to 65. 60. Yeah, it's, it's... The other thing, too, Marcus, is, is that what are we mourning? Because... Out of 200,000 people, apparently 60 of them use that bus on a regular every, basis. Every day, yeah. No, it's true. I, 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 We're mourning the idea. Yeah. We're burying da- the idea of Dadco <laughs> more than Dadco. Yeah, I mean, those, I, I guess, I, I think those 65 people per day, I mean, it's not always the same people, but they all matter too. And so they've got to figure that out. And I, I feel bad for them. Um, especially, you know, you could drive the Marcus. There is a, you have a big car. I'm here every day. I have to work. So, um, uh, so, uh, but you just wonder why Daco did not open. You just wonder about it and say, Hey, listen, we're, they, and like I said, known for a year, the, the, at least, of course they, they have, they actually even said they were trying to talk to, to mass dot about it. That, That took some time. They said, we've agonized over this. Right, which I don't believe, but they said we've agonized over. Did they this. reach out to Bill Strauss? Right, yeah, it's a good question. Did they? Did but, they reach out to John Mitchell? Apparently not. Apparently not, and they admitted that they and they and they even said like the clinical bodies they want real service. They don't think I'm special, so um, you know. So, but again, that was a cover. Hundred percent. They they just they 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 put it on. They they acted as if, well, they didn't want to talk to us, even though we they didn't know we were leaving. Yeah, I mean that that's not. I get it. The guy, what's the guy going to say? He's yeah, leaving right. town. Yeah, they're out of here. See you later. See you. We're taking our buses. And and look, it's a business decision. I get it. Yeah. Obviously, if they could have made money, they would have stuck around. Sure. It's not personal. It's business. Can't do it, Sally. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you weren't taking the bus anyway. That's that's what he should have said. Where were all these people when we had a bus? When he had an empty seat? Right. <laughs> it's like those when businesses have those going out of business sales, right. and everybody goes like, "Why? We, we, we didn't. This need. This didn't need to happen." Listen, <laughs> when Seinfeld they go to the the old pizza place that's closing up to get the Frogger machine, because mm-hmm. if you idiots had showed up every day, we wouldn't be going out of business. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Good. Take a break. Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM. Come. Take South Coast tonight with you wherever you go. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or get their podcast on the app at WBSM.com. Now, back to South Coast tonight.
Hey, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. We've been talking. We um, just can't, you know, wanted to sort of carry on that conversation from, from last night. Uh, a lot of people were interested in it. And even this morning uh, talking about the uh, end of service for DACO, South Coast Rail, what that all means. But we're going to move on in the next hour because... Before we came on air, we received a copy of Mayor John Mitchell's veto letter from, so he wrote, he, so the legislature passed, the legislature, the legislative body, in this case, the city council, had passed the, um, those three ballot questions, uh, the rent stabilization, um, killing the CPA and uh, whether or not you want to go back on the four-year term to two-year term. And so Mitchell wrote a letter vetoing all three. Uh, he vetoed all three and accompanied it with a letter um, that was pretty brutal. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, and um, Councilor Morad uh, issued a statement to Tim uh, as council president uh, that uh, she seems to have taken offense to the letter. Um, so it's a pretty pointed letter. Uh, so we'll, we'll, um, we'll talk more about it. I'll re read some excerpts of it. I'll read some of the fun stuff for you guys. Uh, in the next hour with Chris and me, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have some, uh, we're going to have some fun, uh, reading that. So, uh, I hope you'll join me and, and Chris, and I hope you'll join us at 508 nine nine six oh five hundred that's how you can join us this evening and we'll take your messages on the wbsm app chat as well so we're going to talk about that veto letter uh it, it really because we just got it we just got it before we came on it we got it uh around four or five o'clock i think so we got it just before just before we're coming on air um and after the the other you, you know local programming it ended so uh, this will be the first time you guys get to hear it. And I know Tim's working on a story and uh, we have Tim sent us um, uh, Council President Morad's response as well. So it's it's really good. You're going to want to hear this. It's it's quite. Um, it's quite a, some <laughs> serious statements, uh, uh, really, uh, really pointed stuff. So we're, we're looking forward to reading with it, reading it. We hope you'll join us in, on the conversation at 508 nine nine six oh five hundred and uh also on the wbsm app chat whichever way you want uh to engage or if you just want to listen that's fine you can just listen we're here we'll be here whether you call in or not we're here i mean we can dialogue or i can monologue but um but if you want to join in you know the number all right, I got to take this final break for the hour, and then Chris and I will be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. Hey, welcome back. We're just wrapping up the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, I mean, the 7 o'clock hour. Sorry. What is time? <laughs> what What is... Chris. Yes, Marcus. What is time? It's taking away the moments of a dull day. Yeah, that's time. That's time. According to David Gilmore, Pink Floyd. 
Oh, okay. Time ticking away the moments of a dull day. Sure. You fritter and waste the hours in an all-fast way. Yeah. That's time. It's literally the song Time. <laughs> I spent a lot of time listening to that album. You did. It was a great album. Dark Side of the Moon? Yeah. Sure was. <laughs> I'm just trying to... Just trying to I'm just trying to time. finish the 7 o'clock hour. So, <laughs> stick around for the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to press Pink Floyd. More war between John Mitchell and the city council. It's going to be great. The The letter he wrote and is absolutely a masterpiece. It's um, really good. It's really good. And um, Council Morad's response is, I would say, humorous, if not infuriating. Yeah. But we'll let you judge that, because we have it all for you in the next hour. Yes. There'll be a story up at WBSM.com. You can some... check that out. Is it up now? Uh, I don't know. It'll be up, though. Within the hour, it's two. It'll be up. It'll be up. In time. In time. In time. You don't have to fritter away the hours in time. 